programs and welcome to another episode of fan holes big in japan this is derek derek wc i'm gonna be one of your hosts tonight and of course i'm joined tonight by one of my fellow fan holes why don't you give a shout out justin and let everybody know who's here tonight hey this is justin and we're not alone tonight we're joined tonight by a very special guest and i'm not making her dream of ohms all the way <laughs> from the BatmanUniverse.net, the producer and host of Batgirl to Oracle, a Barbara Gordon podcast, and one of the co-hosts of Required Reading with Tom and Stella on the Two True Freaks Network. We're thrilled to have Stella joining us tonight for this episode. Hey, Stella. How's it going? Hello. It's great to be here. I'm so excited. Yeah, we're super excited as well. I know, I, I'm trying to remember, I think it was because that girl was running around dressed up as Kiki that I sort of made the Miyazaki connection because I, I think I'm trying to remember what it was but I, I remember you liked that and then I was like I think there was some girl like dressed as Kiki at Heroes Con or something like that and then you were like I wouldn't oh, I be surprised because whenever I see Kiki I basically stop and let out an audible gasp yeah, and shout yeah. Kiki because that's my favorite anime so I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the instance yeah, yeah. And so like I think I think that's when I knew like you, you enjoyed Miyazaki stuff. And and Justin enjoys Miyazaki stuff as well. I think one of his mandates, because he's he's pretty much like the producer of this show and he pretty much tells me, like, okay, this is what you're gonna watch, like this is what we're gonna do. Like occasionally I throw in my two cents and he's like, Oh yeah, we can we can talk about an anime that you actually want to watch and stuff like that. But most times like we're 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 kinda going by the Justin mandate. And and Justin's original mandate was he's like, I want to talk about all the Miyazaki films. So like that's kind of his his mandate for, for this show. At some point I, I assume we're gonna talk about, you know, many Miyazaki films now and, and moving forward in the future. But I guess I, I, I sort of warned you about this, but I, I figure, like, you know, obviously, I, I listen to Batgirl to Oracle a lot, and I always kind of feel bad for the guys when they get the, the kiss, marry, <laughs> kill thing, and I'm always yeah. thinking to myself, man, how would I answer this? And sometimes I'm just kind of like, I don't know how I'd answer this. I don't want to kiss, marry, or kill Venom. Like, what what would I possibly do, you know? So, anyway, I just thought it'd be fun to to ask you this. So, I've got I've got my own Kiss, Mary Kill for Big in Japan, because it's all anime characters, and uh, I'm ready to lay it on you, and then I guess you can you can work out your rationale for, for what you're going to do here. So so are you ready, Stella? I am super ready. All right, all right. So first up, we've got Yubaba from Spirited Away. This is the big-headed kind of old-looking mm -hmm. lady that, that mm -hmm. uh, harasses the, the heroic character in Spirited Away, the young girl. Next up, everyone's favorite, your favorite, my favorite, clearly Justin's favorite, Lin Minmay from Robotech and or Macross <laughs> fame. 
Oh no! And just to finish it off, because because we we gotta we gotta make this a little easy. I'm I'm picking a character that that I know we all like. This is gonna be Fujiko Mine from the Loop on the Third series. So those are your choices, and I I know I'm dying to know who would you kiss, marry, and or kill. Yeah, this is easier than I expected. Yeah, so just a peek behind the curtain. The reason why they're all female is because I assume, Derek, you did this on purpose, because when my male guest stars come on, I purposely do Kiss, Mary Kill, but make them male, just to give them a hard time. Yeah, so this is, hey. That, that's why I'm tortured listening to it. I'm just like, yeah, what, what, would you, like what, what, gonna, what would you answer? Yeah, yeah. Asriel yeah. or, yeah. So, easy. I'm going to kill Lin Min May because she's terrible. <laughs> I mean, that's the first, I mean, there's no yeah. question that I'm going to kill her. Uh, strangle her with a mic cord. You're, you're, like you're, that. you're a woman after my own heart, Stella. Yeah. Yubaba, I think I'm going to kiss. And then Fujiko Mine, I am going to marry. Wow. That's, that's, that's unexpected. I, 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 I figured, I figured I'd, I'd take out Lin Min May with, with, uh, you know, the way I lined up the, uh, the chessboard, but I, I didn't expect you to marry Fujiko. That's pretty awesome. I know. Well, if you can catch her, because I feel like she can't be tied down. I think she gets really close, but I guess if I can catch her, then I'll marry her. Awesome. When, when Derek, <laughs> told me, Derek told me about this last night, and he told me the characters, I was like, ooh, I don't know what I would do. And I started thinking, <laughs> I was like, well, Baba is evil, but so is Minmay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah. Adolescents of this generation have no respect and are a far cry from my sweet Jane Eyre and her friend Helen Burns. Why, just this afternoon I was Stella. walking across and, and you know what? Men too. Well, uh, 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 Stella. Men like the tragic Mr. Rochester and teachers, pa, they're all like the villainous Mr. Brocklehurst. Hey, Stella! Uh, yes, Thomas? As much as I enjoy um, indulging your insanity, we have a promo to record. Oh dear, and what might that be? That is you and I telling everyone that we have a brand new podcast out there. It's called Required Reading with Tom and Stella. Once a month, we will take a look at a single work of literature, discuss it, analyze it, and determine if it's worth its place in the canon. Oh dear, that sounds delightful. Oh, I'm sure it will be. And you can find us on the Two True Freaks Network, which is at twotruefreaks.com. Oh yes, required reading with Tom and... Why is it Tom and Stella? Why can't it be Stella and Tom? It rolls off the tongue better? Okay. Well, that was easy. So, required reading with Tom and Stella at twotruefreaks.com. Thanks for contributing to the promo there. You did a great job. Oh, you are so welcome. All right, so I guess I guess we're we're we've we've officially broken the ice. We're 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 in the middle of this now. And and basically, if if you haven't figured it out with all the hints we've been dropping, we are discussing a Miyazaki film tonight. We're going to be discussing Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, and this had the original Japanese release date of March eleventh, nineteen eighty four. And I, I'm learning about this as I go. And so there was a U.S. 
kind of adaption of it that was dubbed, and it was released June 13th, 1985, that was titled Warriors of the Wind, and we might talk a little bit about that later. And then there was a, you know, quote-unquote re-release, the, the uncut version that was the sort of Disney-fied release with a, a new dub that was released February 22nd in 2005. And of course, I have shamelessly plundered this from some kind of Nausicaa wiki. It's a synopsis of, of the film, but I, I, I think it's worth going into. It's a little lame but I, I mean, I think it kind of covers like all the stuff that we, we you know, somebody, I'm, I'm assuming people haven't seen this or, you know, maybe not everyone's seen this. And if you're still following along, hopefully this gives you a, a good idea of what takes place in the film. So here we go. The story takes place 1000 years after the seven days of fire, an event which destroyed human civilization and most of the earth's original ecosystem. Scattered human settlements survive, isolated from one another by the toxic jungle. A forest of giant plants and fungi swarming with giant insects, which seem to come together only to wage war. Everything in the toxic jungle, including the air, is lethally toxic. Nausicaa is a charismatic young princess of the peaceful Valley of the Wind. Although a skillful fighter, Nausicaa is humane and peace-loving. She has an unusual gift for communicating with the giant insects, particularly with the Ohm, gigantic armored caterpillar or isopod-like insects who are the most intelligent creatures in the toxic jungle. She is also noted for her empathy toward animals, humans, and other beings. An intelligent girl and inspired by the Valley's Lord Yupa, a wandering warrior possessed of great wisdom, Nausicaa frequently explores the toxic jungle and conducts scientific experiments in an attempt to define the true nature and origins of the toxic world in which she lives. Her explorations are facilitated by her skill at wind riding, flying with an advanced jet-assisted glider craft. Yupa is searching for the mythological man in blue who, according to the legend, will appear surrounded by a sea of gold and reunite the people and nature. One day, an airship crashes onto the cliffs near the Valley of the Wind. Nausicaa tries to rescue a shackled girl of her age from the burning wreck, but the girl dies after revealing that she is Princess Lestelle from the kingdom Pajit and that the cargo of the airship must be destroyed. The airship is from Tolmechia and the cargo turns out to be the embryo of a giant warrior one of the lethal giant creatures used in the ancient war. It is later revealed that the warrior was unearthed by Pajit, but it was stolen by the more powerful state of Tolmechia. While transporting the warrior, along with Lestelle, as a hostage back to their realm, the Tolmechians were attacked by insects and later crash-landed in the valley. The next day, the Tolmechians, under the leadership of Princess Kushana, invade the valley to kill the valley king and to secure and revive the warrior. Kushana explains that the giant warrior will be used to burn the toxic jungle, even though Obaba, a blind elder valley woman, warns that attempting so will only anger the Ohm and lead to more deaths and turn the valley into part of the jungle. Kushana attempts to return to Tolmechia with Nausicaa and several others as hostages. Before their departure, Nausicaa reveals to Yupa a hidden garden of jungle plants which are not toxic because they are growing in sand and water from a deep, untainted well. Nausicaa explains the jungle is only toxic due to the toxic soil that covers the surface of the earth, even in the valley. She has been trying to find the cause and a possible cure for her people, including her now-dead father. Since she has to depart, however, she has shut down the water flows which keep the plants alive. The airships are attacked by a Pajitan gunship, and several of the ships are destroyed. Nausicaa and another hostage on board one of the burning cargo ships still midair make their way to a gunship that the Tolmechians took, but before they leave, Kushana joins them. They are forced to make an emergency landing in the jungle. 
There, Nausicaa communicates with several of the Ohms and discovers that the pilot of the Pajitan gunship is still alive. With the help of her glider, Nausicaa rescues the pilot from a swarm of enraged insects. However, Nausicaa, the Pajitan pilot, and the glider are swallowed by quicksand and end up in a strange, non-toxic world that is below the jungle. Nausicaa realizes the plants in the jungle purify the polluted topsoil, producing clean water and sand which remains hidden in the underground world. The pilot reveals that he is Asbel of Pajit, the twin brother of Princess Lestelle. Meanwhile, the people of the Valley of the Wind request weapons from the occupying Tolmechians to destroy toxic spores, which have infested the valley's forest. Enraged that they have had to burn their forest because of the Tolmechians, the citizens revolt, attacking the Tolmechians who have taken over the castle. The Tolmechians counter, forcing the valley residents to flee to an ancient ship on the shore of the Acid Lake with the Tolmechians in pursuit. Nausicaa and Asbel return to Pajit, which is devastated after the Pajit people lured insects from the Sea of Decay into their own town in order to kill the occupying Tolmechian forces. The Pajit people, now seemingly surviving only on board of a single airship, reveal that they will do the same thing to the Valley of the Wind to recapture the warrior, and then use it to burn the jungle. To prevent Nausicaa from alerting the Tolmechians, they capture her, but she escapes with the help of Asbel and his mother. With her glider, she heads to the valley, but along the way she encounters an enormous herd of enraged Ohms, who are following an injured baby Ohm being used by the Pajit people to lure the Ohms to the valley. Nausicaa releases the baby Ohm and gains its trust. Meanwhile, the Tolmechians attempt to stop the herd with their armored vehicles, but fail. Kushana, who had escaped from the hostages, arrives with a giant warrior to stop the Ohm herd. The warrior fires several beams from its mouth, which on impact cause massive explosions, but this only serves to enrage the insects more. The warrior attempts to continue fighting the Ohm, but because it was awakened before being fully grown, it collapses and dies. However, Nausicaa and the baby Ohm are finally able to stop the herd, but she is mortally wounded wounded in the process. In front of the valley people and the Tolmechian forces, the Ohms use their gold-colored tentacles to heal Nausicaa's injuries. Nausicaa's dress is then seen by all her village as now being of blue color, stained by the blood of the baby Ohm she rescued. Thus, Nausicaa turns out to be the mythological figure in blue mentioned in the beginning of the film. The film ends with scenes of the future where people and insects live in peace with each other. After the credits, a scene from under the toxic jungle shows a new, non-toxic plant growing, showing a possible new forest. And that is the end of Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. So I, I, this is obviously a question to both of you who are joining me on the show tonight, but I guess I'll just open it up with, like, how did you guys first come... I mean, I know we sort of got into it with Kiki, but how did you guys first come to discover... Miyazaki and and specifically Nausicaa like when, when's the first time you've seen this because for me I guess I saw this last Monday because I saw it in the theater that was the first time I'd seen the film so I'm just curious like what your guys's experiences are I guess guests guests first ladies first I guess I'll, I'll oh, start with Stella thank you well my first Miyazaki film was actually Spirited Away which I think is a good and wait that is still technically Miyazaki, right? And not yeah. just Ghibli. Okay. Because yeah. sometimes I have to separate the, the Ghibli from the 
Miyazaki. So that was my first one, which I think is a, a good starter because it was so well lauded. And I think you just get an idea of what you're getting into and, and what anime is, because that was probably the first anime film that I had watched as well. And then I had a friend in college that, that got me more into anime and Kiki. I fell in love with that. And so I ended up finding probably a bootleg Ghibli collection because mm. now it seems like they have a more legitimate collection out and about. So I was making my way through and Nausicaa, of course, was one of the ones I watched. I think I watched it probably five years ago and really enjoyed it. And it's one of the ones that I would watch again, but I think it, it warrants some space between viewings because I think that it's like many of the Ghibli films and especially of the Miyazaki films, there's just, it's very deep, I think, and there's mm. a lot of thought that goes into it. And so I, I think with Kiki, I could probably rewatch it like multiple times, one after another. But with Nausicaa, I think I have to sit with it a little bit more. And so I think it had been a good five years or so. And then I saw it, uh, I guess it was Monday. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I saw that I ended up seeing the dub. I considered the other one, but I think it was at a time I couldn't go. And so it was fun to see it on the big screen. And I remembered enough of it. I was like, I think I remember all of this. And it was really weird because the night before, I was having all these dreams about home. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I, I was having trouble sleeping because of it. And I thought, oh my gosh, I haven't even watched the film again. And I'm already dreaming of homes. It was ridiculous. You're anticipating the home? Yeah, I think so. So so it was bad, right? Like the dream was bad, right? Like, the dream was bad. Yeah. And okay. I just remember in the dream, besides the ohms, I remember Nausicaa like getting knocked up in the air. Uh, and then when it happened okay. in the film, I was like, oh, yeah, that actually did happen when yeah, she gets hit because yeah. she's just standing there hoping the ohms will stop. But all that to say, that is a very enjoyable film. I, I really like it. And I was glad that I had that space in between before I watched again for this particular show. So you, you made me think of a couple things when you when you said that. But one of the things I'll just follow up on it now is so I'm just curious, like that that bootleg box set, like were those were those all like in Japanese with like wacky, like English subtitles or or were some of those dubbed? Do you remember? Uh, of the which one? I'm sorry. Like, you know how you said like when you when you kind of fell into the the Miyazaki films and everything. Like, yeah, you, you saw the majority the... of them are dubbed. You have the option of having them. Oh, okay. Subtitled. So the bootleg is pretty decent actually. But I I choose to go with the dub ones just because those are primarily the ones that I had seen previously. So I'm just used to those English actors, and it's fun to have Kirsten Dunst as Kiki and things like that. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I just, I mean, I think when, when I was getting into anime, it was like some of the anime, like you, you had to go to places and get like the, what I called like the Hong Kong English subtitles. So like a lot of the times there were, it was rare that there was like a dub attached to those early like KOs or bootleg discs or whatever. Yeah. So oftentimes yeah. like, you know, it'd be kind of like this broken, you know, nonsensical English, you know, with, with your Miyazaki film or whatever that kind of thing yeah I, I i was just gonna say i think this is like the third miyazaki film i've seen in the theater now as of monday because i think before i saw the spirited away and princess mononoke because i'm pretty sure mm -hmm. mononoke was the first film i ever saw in the theater because that had a much i mean from my recollection when when that was released i mean i i remember we would go to usually like the um what is that called I should have, I didn't write this down, but it's like the, the El Capitan, I think, is like the, the theater that all the Disney films would play on like, like Hollywood Boulevard or whatever. And so like, I remember seeing 
Mononoke and Spirited Away in those theaters. And then I, I did like Spirited Away a lot. And I think like I, I showed my mom that film and I, I thought it was really cool. So I could see why that would that that would kind of entice you to check out like the world and, and the creator's works and everything like that. But I guess I'll ask Justin too, because I don't I don't know that I know the answer to this. Like what what like how did you come to discover Miyazaki and and I guess when was your first experience specifically with with Nausicaa? For Miyazaki, I guess my first encounter would be Castle Cagliostro. Like I remember mm. getting a bootleg version of that and watching that, and I think I was really into Lupin. And I was like, "Ooh, a, a Lupin film! Well, I gotta watch that." And then my first Studio Ghibli film was actually Princess Mononoke. Like mm. I was dating someone, and she was really into these films. Like she had seen kiki's delivery service like when she was young and instead of going out one day she kind of sat down she's like let's watch princess monomoke and i was kind of like oh, i want to go out and, you know do stuff she's like well neil gaiman did the english adaptation like he did the script i was like "Ooh, really because i was a huge neil gaiman fan so we sat down and watched it i was like wow that was really great i was like do you, do you have any more of these <laughs> And that kind of got us on a Ghibli kick. Anytime a Ghibli film would come out on VHS or DVD, she would usually buy it and then we would sit down and watch it. For Nausicaa, I think I watched the Disney dub first, like the 2005 version. Like I remember she she came home one day and she bought the DVD of that and we sat down and watched the English dub. But I had, I, I'm like, it's weird because I was familiar with Nausicaa. I had wrote about it in high school because... My senior year of high school in our English class, everyone had to do a research paper, and we could choose whatever subject we wanted. So I came up with the great idea. My theme was going to be the Japanese influence on American pop culture. And I was like, this is great because I can write about Godzilla. I can write about <laughs> Power Rangers. I can write about anime. And so like, I had not seen Nausicaa. But I like it kept coming up in my research because I was like reading different things online and in Wizard magazine and all these other anime magazines. And I was like, this Nausicaa thing sounds kind of weird, but I want to see it. Long story short, I got like a B on the paper and I was like kind of disappointed with that. But anyway, it was not until much later that I actually got to sit down and watch Nausicaa. And this is only the third time I've seen it. I've seen the English dub twice and then today i sit down and actually watch the sub version i guess leading into versions like i sort of did a bunch of prep for this like i i obviously i know we were just going to talk specifically about the film and everything and then i was going to ask you guys like since i read the manga like do you guys care if i like sort of you know i don't know talk about differences or potentially spoil stuff for the manga like is that anything that's going to bother you guys or no, I think that that would be interesting to compare the adaptations, especially since when I was sitting in for this Fathom event, they had little trivia facts. I'm sure you got this, too, because yeah, Fathom's yeah. the same all across. But it was saying how it was denied, like Miyazaki's first prompt or proposal is a better word. Proposal for this was denied because I guess it didn't have any connection to any already withstanding universes and so he then penned this and then it went back so i think it would be interesting because it's a part of the whole journey in my opinion but i also defer to your actual co-host since i'm just a guest yeah i mean what do you like are you cool with that like if i because i know i told you i kept telling you that i was reading this so that that's kind of what i was 
prepping for, but do, do you have any concerns with me going into like details about the manga and stuff like that? No, actually, there's one sequence I want to ask you about in the manga, because in the movie, it always kind of, I don't know, like the movie is very well sequenced and thought out. You follow it. There's one sequence in the movie, it seems like it's vague on purpose, and I always kind of wondered... You know, since you're reading the manga, if like it's kind of vague in the manga as well, but I'll talk about it when it comes up. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, maybe I can answer it. I don't know though, because it's like I I just want to say like because we and this is this is as much for Stella as it is for the listeners, but we did a show on Akira like on this podcast and everything, mm-hmm. and and my huge mandate for that was like I I literally like twisted. Justin's arm and and Tony who was on the show I was like you I was like you guys have to read the manga like I'm not going to do this podcast if you guys don't read the manga because I'm like I've heard you know to me I was like I've heard Akira podcasts before they're fun but like none of them have ever read the manga so I always felt like they were missing some kind of I don't know extra vantage point or or sort of purview that you know and I I said that's what's going to make this like a fun show to do. And there was a lot of hesitance at first, but I kept saying to them, Hey, when you read it, it's going to be like a Bendis comic. Like it it flows really fast. Like, (laughs) like you're not going to be sitting there. It's not going to drag. Like it's going to be a quick read and trust me, you'll enjoy it. And you'll be thankful that you read it. You know, when we talk about the film and you'll, you'll kind of see the the differences and where things diverge and all that other kind of stuff. And the reason why I bring that up is, well, first of all, the reason why I said to you guys you don't have to read the manga is the read for the manga is nothing like Akira, and it's nothing like a Bendis read. Like, it's not breezy. It's very, very dense. It's extremely... I, I feel like it's extremely political in the sense that there are... The film, I think, narrows the focus. You know, you've got the Tolmechians, you, you've got the people from Pajit, and then you've got the valley, and then you've got, you know, the environment and, you know, the insects and all that, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, but, and I'm not saying that the film is less complicated, but I, I think it's pretty streamlined compared to the manga. And, and this kind of stuck in my craw because I keep reading like Wikipedia articles where they're like, oh, you know, Miyazaki took, you know, inspiration from, you know, the Lord of the Rings, and he took inspiration from, you know, whatever sources they point to. And and then there's like a little side note that says, well, he, he might have taken inspiration from Dune, but that's never really been confirmed. And reading the manga, like, I get why if you were a casual, you know, like, like if you hadn't read the manga, and, and then you watch the film, if I told you that I think this film reminds me of Dune, like, I could see why you wouldn't immediately make that connection. But when I read the manga, it's like, Kushana? Like, she's part of one empire. And her father is the emperor of the Tolmechians. And then she's got brothers that are princes. And they're all trying to murder each other Game of Thrones style. And this is all going on throughout the course of the film and after the film. I mean, the similarities to... Akira, I think, are similar in the sense that, uh, and this would, uh, I guess I'm, I'm telling this to Stella, but Justin will know what I'm talking about. You know how, like, basically the film Akira ends, like, in the middle of the manga, and then the manga goes on for, like, another 500 pages or whatever? Like, it's very <laughs> yeah. similar, mm-hmm. where it's, like, where the film ends in, in Nausicaa, 
the manga then goes on for like another 700 pages. I mean, there's stuff where she's, she's, the, the giant warrior does not dissolve into a bunch of putty. Like the giant warrior is like, I don't know, devil dinosaur and she's moon girl and they go off and like have adventures and she gets irradiated <laughs> and like all kinds of stuff happens after this. And, and I know I'm going all over the place with this, but the, the reason why I said it reminds me of Dune is like, there's there's a lot more factions like there's there's characters called the worm handlers and they ride these little slugs and like those characters are not mm. they're, they're a, another independent faction they have no emperor they have no king they remind me of the fremen they ride worms literally like like and 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 people look down on them they're considered like smelly or distasteful or like you know like because of you know how like the fremen are considered like a, a sort of uh I, I don't know what to call it, like a, a native tribe or something like that. And, and, and basically they're mm -hmm. looked down upon by all the great houses because of their behavior. But their behavior is due to, you know, we, we live in the desert and their ways exist for for reasons, you know. And it's it's very much similar, like these worm handlers. It's like it's not like they want to run around and be stinky and do all this stuff. But it's like that's how they sort of have survived this whole time. And then you've got like... Kushana's father, who's the Vi Emperor, and I'm like thinking, well, this is just like, you know, Shaddam the Fourth, the Padishah Emperor, and then you know how you got like the his daughter giving the narration in the beginning of Dune, like that's that's Kushana, you know, like that. I, I, I guess for me, I'm always like making all these parallels, but you know, just like there's Harkonnen and Atreides, and and then the actual Emperor, and then the Space Guild navigators and all that kind of stuff. I feel like in the manga, there's like so many of these factions. You've got the Worm Handlers, and you've got the Tolmechians, but then you've got the Dorok Empire. It's like completely different. So it's like, there's like all these extra characters, and like Obaba, like Obaba doesn't exist in the manga. Like, there is no nice grandmother lady that tells you about the prophecy. Like, there's all these other male characters that are part of all these other factions that I just mentioned. And they all encounter Nausicaa. And at first, they all want to murder her. And eventually, it's kind of like with the, you know, the insects. Like, when she, like, swings around her, you know little necklace and, and makes the sound mm -hmm. and they all kind of, you know, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, they, they come under the, the sound of her siren song or sweet, you know, spell or whatever, where it's like they realize she means them no harm. And it's like these people that, you know, are kind of like, for lack of a better term, like the Kai winds, you know, uh, of their, of their respective societies. But then they, they actually, Nausicaa melts the hearts of like, these swarmy religious guys. Do you know what I mean? Like, like in some sense, like, like she, she has that much of an influence on, you know, all the factions around her and everything. So it's like, that's, that's just one of those things that, that kind of stood out to me. Like, and, and I was thinking like the way the, the great warriors act, like I, I almost thought of them as like, I don't know, like, like, like in, in my own weird headcanon, I'm like, is this what happens after like Neogenesis Evangelion? Like, is that, is that what, you know, it turns into this, you know, I don't know, thousand year type, you know, dystopian society or whatever? Like, is, is that what it, is that what their future is? Because I, I, I just felt like the great warriors and then I guess like the, 
whatever they are. I, I hate Evangelion, but like those those angel things or whatever, like like <laughs> they, I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I felt like there was a parallel to those great warriors, and especially when in the manga, like she she takes one of them on and it considers her its mother, like 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 it it loves her, it would die for her, it would do anything for her. And and she kind of knows she's taking advantage of it, and like she feels bad, but then she also sort of has to use it to sort of save, you know, what's left of civilization. In some sense, like, it, it's kind of like, I mean, th- th- and this is kind of like a super spoiler for the manga, but like, it turns everything on its head because you know you know how like they discover like oh there's air down here in the the sea or whatever like that that kind of underground you know quicksand area the sea of decay or whatever it is and and that's supposed to be this hopeful note like it's there there it's a plant that's not toxified essentially like th- there's a weird twist to it I don't know if it's like a Planet of the Apes twist or a Twilight Zone twist or whatever you want to call it but there's this twist that like the people that exist in that world need the toxicity to survive like even though they can't breathe it like it's such a part of the ecosystem that if they're removed from that toxicity like they'll die out anyway so like the whole idea is they're making the world better for future generations but at the cost of their entire generation you know like so it's it it kind of turns a lot of that stuff on its head so i mean i i I, i'm glad i read it i will say like some of the action in it is maybe quote unquote you know bendacy like a little quick but i mean you'd probably know from my facebook posts it took me like months to read it like i mean I, i i felt like it was not not quite as bad as reading like alan moore from hell but like close you know what i mean like 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 and i don't mean bad and like i didn't like reading it but i just mean like like i don't know i'm I'm, uh, the reason why i use from hell is like one one of my friends like we'd always used to exchange trade paperbacks and comics and everything and he was always used to me reading things in like you know an hour like two hours or whatever like he'd, he'd hand me like v for vendetta and i'd be done with it in a day and he's like dude you read all that and i'm like yeah it was awesome like you know okay what 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 else you know like like that kind of thing but then i remember he handed me from hell and i was just like all right i'm gonna do this and then i was like oh man this is this is not gonna be that simple and i had it for like weeks you know and and that's kind of what i felt like with this like it's not it, it, it's it's worth a read but it, it's it's not gonna be a a short for me, it wasn't a, a short project or anything. That's kind of what my, I guess, down and dirty take on it is. I don't, I don't know if I can answer your question or not on, you know, the the manga versus the the moment that you noticed in the the anime. But I'll I'll give it a good college try. <laughs> I was, was going to say, like, I definitely noticed the Lord of the Rings influence this time around. Like, especially at the very beginning when Yupa is arriving in the valley. Mm, like, that's mm. totally Gandalf, like, showing up at the, the Shire, surrounded by all the hobbits. That Like, that <laughs> struck me like, like a bolt of lightning this time. And I was like, how did I not notice this the first time around? Maybe I'm... I'm overshadowing the Dune because I'm like Patrick Stewart was Yupa's voice, and I'm I'm thinking yeah. of like uh, you know in, in in Dune it's like you know he's like you young pop you know and he's like talking to Paul to me like Nausicaa is like the the Paul Atreides of of this piece essentially you know so that I think that that sort of shadowed the the whole thing for me but when you say that like it, it's like Gandalf coming down to the Shire I'm like I totally see that connection or parallel. 
the the sequence I like wanted to ask you about in the manga is the death of Nausicaa's father, because oh. it seems like it seems like such an easy thing to avoid. Like, okay, he's an old man, he's bedridden, he's dying. Okay, he has a sword, but like, all they had to do, like, if they if they really wanted to just go there and talk to him, all those soldiers had to do was just stand in the doorway. But instead, they just rush in and like outright murder him. I guess we're supposed to assume like, does that? How does that go down in the manga? You know, it's it's hard for me to remember. I I think my answer is going to be like, I'm pretty sure it was way more complicated than that. Like mm. like because because of all those factions I was telling you about. <laughs> Hey guys, this is Derek. I'm just interrupting the podcast to sort of clarify all the confusing differences between the manga and the anime. So, in the manga, there's not a fight between Nausicaa and the extended army. It's almost a one-on-one fight between Nausicaa and Kushana. And in that, Lord Yupa still interrupts the battle much in the same manner that he does in the anime film. The father, King Jill, is still alive throughout that whole period, going all the way up to the point where the herd encroaches on the Valley of the Wind. The closest parallel to the Obaba character sees off the king, and the king ultimately dies of natural causes, essentially for all intents and purposes, after all the events of the film take place. So King Jill lasts throughout, you know, he passes in that 700 extra pages once it sort of gets away from the plot of the film. So that's basically the answer to that that I couldn't come up with because you got to sit down and look at these things. So, yeah. Because it's like, it, it's weird, like, there, there's, it, because it, from what I remember, like, Kushana captures Asbel and Nausicaa, like, multiple times. And then some of these other factions, like the Dorok people, like, their priests capture Nausicaa. You know, so it's like, there's all this stuff going on, and I, I can't remember, I don't know that the father was super consequential, like, he may have been killed early on, but I don't, I don't think it was as simple as the first time the Tolmechians, like, show up on their doorstep, they, they kill him, and then move on. Like, because I don't, I don't remember that, but like I said, I mean, it's like, like, I, I pretty much read the early chapters of this like months ago, you know? So it was like, I was just, and I wasn't like taking like super notes and I didn't know what to compare it to at the time. There is, I, right. I think there's like a good, um, you, you know what, what might be worth checking out, uh, you know, for people that are listening or whatever, but I'm like, I'm not going to go to it now, but there, there was, I think there was like some kind of college, like, website or something that I found like when I was looking stuff up after I had read and watched everything and there's actually a pretty good dissertation on what the differences are like where it kind of it has two columns and it goes into like this is what happens in the film this is where the film syncs up with the manga this is where they diverge you know and then when it gets to the very end like sort of like I explained to you it's like by the end of it it's like and then the manga you know it's like the film ends and it's like the the, the other side is like and then the manga goes on for 700 pages and and they don't, you know, kind of detail what that is, but you know, it's like that. That was their 
sort of compare and contrast between the the two things. Like the the other thing that triggered though that 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 made me want to say it because I I remembered it was the there's a the the in the Duroc Empire like there's two brothers that are kind of like I I I wouldn't exactly compare them to like the the Harkonnens but kind you know they're basically the Duroc em- Empire mostly is a bunch of like evil characters for the most part and there's a lot of like sort of internal cloning like with like you know how like dark empire and the emperor and all that there's a lot of weird stuff like that that goes on where the the emperor is so old in the Duroc empire but he's afraid to clone himself and stick his body in there because he's heard all these like horror stories of what happens when people do that but then i guess the younger brother has no qualms about doing that and ends up doing it and he kind of reminds me of like it's like he's the Kylo Ren to Kushana's Ray or something. Like he, he like the, the, he wants to make Kushana his queen so that the Dorok Empire and the Tolmekian Empire can be, you know, unified and be the single like dynasty on the planet. But of course, Kushana wants like nothing to do with him essentially. So it's like there's a lot more. I guess that's what I mean by there's a lot more politics in the manga compared to the film i guess at least she warns her husband that's one of the funniest lines in the film of when yeah she removes one of her body parts i think it's her arm and she says like her her husband will get a lot more where that came from basically yeah and no one in the theater laughed and i'm like defined because <laughs> i mean it's insane because basically wherever the metal is you can tell that she's injured and i just thought that she it's funny she's pre-warning her future husband yeah that that is a funny scene (laughs) can can we can we talk about like the technology in the film a little bit because that's something i don't think the manga or the film really go into like how how did you guys take that like do like i guess my questions are like do they have a never ending supply of fuel for like her glider in these airships or like is this or, you know, to me, I was like thinking of things like like Turn A Gundam, where it's an industrial society, but then it's like at the turn of the century industrial society, but it's in the far flung future, and they start digging up like advanced technology that's buried underground from all this you know war torn stuff, or is it like a Walking Dead type dystopia where they you know they come across a car and they can use a car but it's like once they're out of gas and they can't find any more gas then it's like they're kind of out of luck at that point like I, I was just wondering like what you guys like thought of it or what your take on sort of the the technology in something that's you know clearly it's it's more about you know the the environment like the animals the plants the insects like all that kind of stuff yeah it's interesting because sometimes with Miyazaki's films and I guess just anime in general it's hard to put a finger on what the time period is because clearly it is in the future but there's also a bit of a timeless feel about it because they're almost living as if they were nomads and you know relying on wind energy most of all but then you've got these mecha armies so you've got that that future that is interesting about the fuel. that's something that I've not really ever thought of because it's clear how they're getting their defensive measures as in shields and and protective armors because they're coming from the shells of the ohm Mm -hmm. but yeah the fuel that's interesting because it'd be interesting if they could like milk ohm blood and maybe that was some sort of petrol but that's not really 
gotten into. Yeah. And you've got her flyer doing crazy things. And then when they're in the airship and the guy is saying we're going too fast, you're kind of wondering how is this even being propelled? So that that is a good thought, unless it's some sort of coal mechanics. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. I mean, I, I know you're not supposed to think about it too much, but like that, that makes me think of like a parallel between like like ohms and, and buffalo and bison, you know, like the kind of the, the, the way it's explained, like, you know, it, it, it's like if if you're, you know, just killing it for, you know, I don't know, meat or something like that. But then, you know, I always like the stories where it's like, well, you know, the Native American used like everything. Do you know what I mean? Like they use the right. bones, they use, yep. you know, the, the fur to cover themselves and keep warm. So it's like if if you're going to to kill an ohm, you know, I guess the, the, the sensible thing would be, yeah, maybe maybe the blood is some kind of form of petrol or, or, or something along those lines. Like that'd be interesting. Like if you if you use the ohm, like you use all of it, you know, like the armor, the the, the right. glass shell, like like all those things. Am I just nerding out and digging too deep into it, Justin? Or did you ever give that <laughs> any thought? Because like I think my first thought was like, wait a minute, it's not just like a wind glider. Like she's got a little like jetpack on the back of it. I'm like, where, I, I was always like, where, where does that come from? Like, you know, and that, that's what made me think of like turn a Gundam because it's like, it's kind of almost futile, but then, then there are these moments of like, you know, airships and, 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 you know, technology. So, you know, tanks, like, it's like, where, where did you get the tanks from? You know, it's like, it's like if you're watching game of Thrones and all of a sudden, you know, Khaleesi rolls up with a bunch of tanks and you're like, oh, what? Khaleesi. You know, so <laughs> I'm sorry. It's too soon. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't think about it too much until the same exact st- scene that Stella pointed out when they are in the gunship and they're racing back to try and save everyone. And, you know, dude's doing his best, Scotty. You know, she kind of take it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there, there, there's like a kind of a close up of like the instrument panel of the gunship. And there's like these little there's like four tubes of liquid or something. And I was kind of like what's what what is those like what is what is that liquid like it is it gasoline is it is it some kind of uh, some you know bug juice or like like what is that exactly is that something they can easily like replace or you know if if their little gunship if the engine does conk out like do they have mechanics that can fix it like i know there's like a scene when nausicaa and asbel are like in the underground and we see them working on you know Nausicaa's little glider, but like that—that that seems to be like apples and oranges. Like I would imagine the gunship would be far more complicated. But yeah, I, like that one scene, I kind of thought about it, and then I kind of got enveloped in the movie and pushed it aside until you mentioned it just now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really easy to get enveloped in the film because that I, I I don't think you're supposed to think about it that much. You know, it's just I I just thought it was like an interesting topic of discussion the other thing and this is just me my my fandom or whatever you know you know what i'm convinced now of is that that whoever whoever made gi joe the movie the animated movie must have seen either warriors of the wind or this because <laughs> i'm like dude the organisms of cobra law like the mudworms <laughs> that like tunnel rat gets eaten by or whatever and the fact that like there's spores that are going to be dispersed all over the earth and stuff like that i was just like <laughs> Dude, they were so watching. I was like, they must have been watching this. Like now, I'm like, I'm like convinced. I don't, I don't care if it's true or not. But I was like, I, I'm like 
clearly G.I. Joe the movie was and Cobra Law was was influenced by this this film as far as that goes. I will say that if I could go back to yeah. the earlier point about the fuel, it's clear that they aren't trading with other communities because that would be an easy answer because it seems like they're all these communities are pretty isolated and they're just so well known for the wind. So it is a question mark how they're doing that. And to contradict, I guess, you slash I, I don't know if they're going to be killing the Ohms with Nausicaa as their leader just because of how empathetic she is towards oh, yeah, the, yeah. the creatures, even though, so I guess if it's wounded or it's just like, you know, put it out of its misery, then I could see milking his blood. But I don't know if I could see these warriors just going after the Ohms uh, with Nausicaa being such. But hey, that with that scene, that backflash that we had, it's clear that before that, I mean, they would just get rid of the Ohms no matter what or keep them away. There's a scene kind of early on, I think, where they're kind of talking about Nausicaa stops someone from shooting at the Ohms. And I, I thought the implication was like, just shooting at one would, you know, enrage it, make its eyes turn right, red. So right. I, I can't right. imagine they would like hunt it just for its juice to make their machines go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think that's the that's the discrepancy between the the people in the valley of the wind, right? Like the people in the valley of the wind wouldn't do that. But I mean, mm. I, I, I I think I don't know. Maybe it's just me. To to me, I think Tolmekians or especially like I. I'm just pulling from the manga, but like the Dorok Empire were a bunch of nasty customers. Like as far like I mean, they were they were fat, they were greedy, they were you know self-absorbed. Like I could see something like that going down uh, on that side of the, the the planet or world or whatever. You know, like whereas I I get what you're saying. Like I don't I don't think Nausicaa would be a proponent of that and I, I think it goes back to that notion that like they would use all of it and it's like oh well that one ohm in the beginning was already petrified so it's not like she was angering it or anything it's like that had probably died of you know natural causes or whatever and it petrified and that's the end of it but I don't, I don't think they'd go out of their way to like you know I don't know hunt them down like whales or something like that but that's not to say that other parties wouldn't do that I think that's where I see like all the the spice worm, whales, buffalo parallels with the ohm. I mean, they all seem to be like herded and, and some kind of commodity in a sense. I mean, you know, it's interesting too, because those creatures, you know, I mean, it's part of the mythology of the story, but they have such like healing properties. You'd think like somebody would be all over that too. I mean, cause I, I I'm trying to remember exactly, but I'm, I'm not sure if the cloning aspect of like the Duroc stuff comes from like, that ohm healing as well from what i remember it's like they had all these clone bodies in like little back to tanks kind of like the emperor waiting to get a new clone body there was there was some kind of notion that like if they went through that process it could potentially sort of drive them insane like a lazarus pit or something like that and that's why that present emperor was so nervous to do it and then i think he ends up like dying out and then the the, the younger the youngest brother like has no qualms about doing it so then he has like this sort of young virile body and then he's got like telepathy and all this weird stuff which is why I was kind of making the whole I don't know Kylo Ren parallel or whatever because he he seemed to be trying to you know reach out to Kushana I'm wondering too like do you think this might be a random question but this kind of goes back to the beginning of the film a little bit but like you know how like Lord Yupa interrupts 
her fight. You know how you said the scene where the the, the father mm. gets killed is kind of clunky mm-hmm. and everything. And so there's that moment where his case is that if we keep doing this, this is just going to end badly. So he's going to put a stop to it or whatever. But I'm I'm kind of curious, like what what do you think would have happened if Yupal wasn't there? Nausicaa is fierce, but it's like it just doesn't seem like she could act like it doesn't seem like she'd actually one like kill the people that she's mad at and then on top of that like that that i'm just wondering like do you think what lord yupa speculates would be true like would they just you know ransack and sort of destroy the whole village and kill everyone in it or or would there be you know some kind of comeuppance for it's it's just it's interesting to me because because that that part of it I think I agree with Justin where it's kind of clunky because she, she basically has to tell the the entire town like okay we have to let this part go you know like just because they killed my father you know your king essentially like we sort of have to 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 let that go and eat it you know because that's for us to move forward as a people like we we have to be occupied by the Tolmecians at this point like it's i don't know i i I, when i was listening to like some of the commentary it seemed like they they made parallels to you know certain historical occupations where it's like people aren't happy to be occupied but then it's the only you know at that point just for the purposes of survival they sort of have to just you know take it for the time being you know type scenario but i'm just curious how you like do you think it would have gone down like basically the prophecy would be unfulfilled like would would nausicaa get executed like what 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 like weird what if dystopian thing could happen if if lord yupa didn't interrupt the fight i guess i don't know i mean she was holding her on against those soldiers pretty well but i I don't know some of those soldiers seem like they were chumps or mm, poorly mm. trained <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. i don't red like I, yeah red shirts uh, i imagine <laughs> if she had to fight kushana like one-on-one like mm. she would probably lose either either she would be mortally wounded or maybe she'd have to like i don't know jump out the window of that building and you know try and grab onto a glider or something and escape i don't know like i i don't i mean she was fighting in like i guess like a berserker rage or a haze yeah, of yeah, anger but yeah. i can't imagine that lasting you know much longer like i don't think she could keep it up for for very much longer during a intense battle like that yeah i mean i i, I kind of think she would have gotten just overwhelmed by sheer numbers because it's like she, yeah. she she knocks the crap out of like eight or nine of them which is great but then it's like they, they just keep coming in the door you know like that's why it's like all right that i i mean i think that's why Yupa does what he does it's like all right we gotta you know this is not gonna end well like let's let's put the brakes on it for right now but i I don't know do you have any did you did you contemplate any what if scenarios as far as that goes stella yeah i actually really like that scene i'm sad her father died but i think it serves a pretty good purpose and when she flies into that rage i think that it like that moment really sets the character for the end of the movie because it very much parallels this blind rage that the ohms go through Mm. and that it's just unstoppable because she is going through and only until she connects with Yupa and actually stabs him in the arm does she calm down and after that she realizes this destruction that she had just like the ohms right that just continue on and they keep destroying things and even go unto destroying themselves because they're 
they starved themselves. And so she was very much parallel to the Ohms. And then after this took on this more pacifist view of, you know, looking at this damage that she caused and like, no more killing. And so she always had this stance in, in trying to get people to stop killing each other, any living thing that they had. I think that if she were to have kept going, she would have probably destroyed all the people in the room. I think that the other princess would have Kashana. She would have probably beaten her because Nausicaa, I think, was also getting pretty worn down from the fight. And so I think she probably would have been killed. And I think the village probably would have been wiped out because Nausicaa is such a beloved character in that village that I think they would have, even knowing that it was not in their best interest, they would have risen up against that tribe and just gone all out and probably all died. So I think in Nausicaa dying, I think that it would have wiped out her tribe and, and that city it just would have been taken over and then probably the destruction of the universe. So if Nausicaa had died, I think that it would have been, you know, the crazy oh, yeah. guy would have risen. Yeah, it, it just would have been the end. I think it would have just been this tumble, this domino effect. That, that's something I wanted to mention in terms of the prophecy, like, because they, they, they detail this pretty well. I mean, it's it's the, you know whatever the the Chekhov's gun prophecy or whatever like yeah. they set up they set up the the prophecy in the beginning of the film you you've got it with you know Obaba and she kind of sets it up pretty cleanly and everything and then you know by the end of it you know they've got her in tears going oh it's it's true it's true you know she is the Kwisatz Haderach to go back to my my other parallel or whatever but like the, the thing that I noticed was like, and this is me again, comparing it to the manga, but what, what I noticed about the film was I was kind of like, and, and this goes back, this is kind of a joke between me and Justin, but I'm like, Justin, there's color in the film. It's not black and white. Right. Like, so, so like there's that weird aspect where I'm watching the film and going, Oh, this is, you know, this is what somebody's hair color is like. This is, you know, what, you know, what the ohms are colored like and everything like that. I, I don't know, maybe I'm color blind or it depends on like what version I'm watching, but it's like one of those things is when I read the black and white manga, like I, I never, I, I don't even think I put it together until the the prophecy was revealed i guess where it's like oh the blood of the ohms is blue the the and 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 they go into how you know that turns her dress blue and then all these holy people are like wait a minute she is the one because look she's got the blue just like the prophecy and all this other stuff and they're all thinking about this to themselves and then they see her lead all these people and it, it kind of all comes you know dawning on them you know when they see it in action but i think with this, like, I, I was kind of like, well, isn't she already in blue? Like, like, it's funny how, like, she starts in that little, like, skirt outfit, whatever she has, it's kind of like light blue or whatever, and she's got the beige or khaki pants or whatever it is, and, like, so I'm kind of, like, sitting there going, okay, well, she's kind of light blue here, and then she sneaks out in the Pajit dress, and then that dress turns blue, and I get that that fulfills the prophecy, and it's just this one giant climactic moment and i think in the manga it wasn't like the end-all be-all moment it's like that that happened slowly and over time and was witnessed by i guess like more than one source you know like like because i in my mind like obaba in the manga is like three or four different like priests or holy figures or whatever that all see it that it, it's almost like they all give confirmation and they're all from like I don't know, opposing armies or the opposite side. So it's like, I, I don't know, it seemed even more, I don't know, it took more weight 
you know, because it's not just like, it, it's to me, it's kind of funny. It's like they, they start out and it's like, oh, there's this prophecy, you know, if somebody turns blue, you know, then, then, and, and of course, and then, and then of course there's the whole gender aspect of it too. Like, like to me, I'm like, well, mm. she was in this blue dress this whole time. It's like what you didn't consider her like uh, a prophesical figure just because she's a, like, that. that's what I tended to wonder too, because I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like, I'm like, she'd been in blue this whole time and nobody thought of it yeah. until they, they saw it with their own eyes. Like, like when, when, when the actuality of the own heard, you know, the, you know, the, the stampede, I guess, for lack of a better term takes place, you know, then, and only then do they kind of realize like, oh, this is, this is what we've been you know, building towards this whole time. So I, I don't know. I thought that was like th th that stuff that was going through my head, you know, in terms of, of the film aspect of it. And I, you know, I'm just curious, you know, I guess what, I, I don't know if that, you know, makes you think of anything or if you, you have any thoughts about, you know, sort of my thoughts, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, with Miyazaki, I really appreciate how he has these really strong female leads. And I feel like, a lot of his films actually have strong female leads. And with Nausicaa, I, I just really love her, not only because of how beloved she is of her village, but just how empathetic she is. Mm. And yes, she has faults because she's got that, she sees red, but then she becomes a pacifist. But she's just so capable of many things. And even Yupa, I feel like Yupa is the closest to understanding her potential because he even makes this comment of you know she has such a what a strange way she has yeah. with these uh, creatures and you know she bonds right away with the the fox squirrel I think it is which as an aside one of my favorite things about all, all the Ghibli films are like the cute little familiars yeah, or yeah. animals that are attached basically like I just love all those but yeah it's it's something I guess that they just see her as the daughter of the Valley of the Wind and not and a leader I think but that not stepping out into this prophetic role which is interesting just because of all the things that she's seen doing and even in the beginning with that backflash and having or flashback having that baby ohm I think I can't remember who said it it might have been her father I couldn't tell if that was her father or not on the horse but said something like the ohms have corrupted I or had some sort of influence over her mm. so it's clear like they know there's something there and it, it seems like it's been seeded throughout which I think Miyazaki does a good job of it's not like it comes out of nowhere but even you know obaba should have realized you know the wisest person hasn't seen the day-to-day -day operations of nausicaa and what she's doing and, and realize you know yeah it's probably her that's gonna fulfill the prophecy but i guess that's what prophecies are right because you know you just mentioned game of thrones game of thrones had all these bizarre prophecies right. And you're like trying to figure out what it is and then they come true. So I guess that's just the, the nature of prophetic visions is that they're a little quizzical. But I, I think it's powerful that she's a, a you know, coming from I'm a, I'm a woman. So it's always great to have these strong female characters. And in 1984, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, we're there now, kind of. It's, it's getting better. It's not perfect or anything. But just to think, you know, practically 30 years ago, I guess it is 30 years, where they are is is pretty fun to think because of the the prophecy aspect to it i mean i guess to me it makes me think even though people are seeing it in in real time with what what she's doing there, there's always that lack of understanding about those figures right like like i don't think 
it's like it's like you forgot whether it's you know religious figures or or fictional figures or whatever a lot of times it seems like it doesn't completely dawn on them so it's like the the aspect you mentioned about you know where they're saying oh the the ohm is you know polluting her or corrupting her or uh, you know whatever it is it's like i i think that's a basic lack of understanding of what was happening like she's she's essentially able to commune with these animals but then or, or insects or, or the wildlife, right? But then I, I think that's kind of the theme of the the movie, right? Like that that there's some aspect of humanity they just they just don't get it, right? They don't get that you can you can be a bridge between the worlds and not just be part of one or the other. I think that's that and and that's why I guess until you I guess see someone do it right then then it's it, it's a lot easier to believe I guess when 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 you see it with your own eyes I guess you know and 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 maybe they should have seen it earlier but I I just think that was one of those things where it's like they probably just didn't they didn't have the comprehension skills to understand what they were they were seeing I guess is is kind of how I took that about the prophecy and everything like it it, it kind of made me think of you know, going back to Lord of the Rings again, Return mm. of the King, when Eowyn is fighting the Witch King, and he's like, you know, no man can kill me, yeah. or, you know, like, I cannot be filled by any, you know, by the hand of man, and she's like, I am no man, and she kills him, because, you know, she's not a man, and that was the prophecy, and that was her way of fulfilling it, so the whole, like, oh, well, we have this prophecy, and, like, oh, look at this tapestry, it's like, it's a dude with a beard, and he's got a bird on his, so- right, you know, on his right, uh, right. So- uh, shoulder, <laughs> and, like, well, they got it completely wrong. It's like, well, it's actually Nausicaa, who's a girl, and she doesn't have a bird. She's got a little, like, fox squirrel on her shoulder. Uh, shoulder. It's like the, the the deep, dark secret is <laughs> that Rob Liefeld drew the scroll for the Valley of the Wind, so that's why it looks all off. <laughs> oh, no. They had tiny feet? <laughs> yeah, or no no feet at all, just a bunch of smoke <laughs> over the feet. Yeah, exactly. The, the, all the, the, it's like Kushana's cybernetic arm is on the, the wrong side in every other panel. What happened? Let me interrupt your, like, analysis flow really quick, Derek, yeah, yeah. before I forget. So you said you watched this for the very first time Monday. Like, I, I'm curious, like, did you enjoy it? Because I know I kind of, like, yeah, yeah, I did. I, I did. Like, I, because, okay. see, it's interesting, like, like my Miyazaki kind of ebb and flow, like I said, I, I, I'm pretty sure Mononoke was the first film I watched in the theater, and then I saw Spirited Away. And then I, I know I went to, like, Suncoast after that. Like, I, I mean, I did get kind of turned on by watching those two films. I really, really like spirited away and then i think i watched like you know whatever i i I think disney may have released a couple dvds at that point you know like Mm -hmm. official dvds and so i'm I'm trying to remember but i i I remember being excited that like i think vanderbeek did the voice in you know howl's moving castle or whatever Mm -hmm. so i think i watched that and i remember watching kiki and i remember i want to say trying to remember like there was a third one what's the one the cat one i don't know the cat return I think so, yeah. Or uh, Whispers of the Heart, that there's also a weird cat in that one. Yeah, I think I think it was The Cat Returns. like, And so it was like, I, I'd watched a series of them, or maybe, you know, some cases I might have rented a few or whatever. And, and I think uh, while I enjoyed some of them, I, I think, you know how, like, it's like you, you, you get hooked on comics or you get hooked on, you know, whatever it is, like, you know, whatever fictional thing. And it was like, I couldn't, I couldn't recapture that, that first, you know, 
I guess for lack of a better term, that first, you know, Michael Bailey quote unquote high that I had with Spirited Away, like where he talks about like, you know, where you read your first comic or your first, you know, whatever it is, and you're trying to chase that high. And I don't think I ever, I ever got the same high when I was, I was watching like some of those other films as I did when I watched Spirited Away. So I think, I think I enjoyed what I watched, but kind of, you know, left it at that. And then, you know, I, I hadn't seen some of the other films and this was one of them. And it's like, I, I really did enjoy this. I mean, I, I think the other thing too, is it's not quite what I call a triple threat. It's not like there's an anime, a manga and a live action version of this, but I do, I, I think the manga is rich enough and different enough that like, I don't know what it is, but, you know, I, I enjoy the hell out of just going through stuff like that. And the fact that there's, like, this crappy dub from, like, you know, 1985 where they call her, like, Xandra or whatever, like, that is enthralling to me, too. And I know we didn't talk about that too much, but it was just, like, one of those things where it's, like, I watched this on Monday. I watched the Warriors of the Wind dub, I think, on Tuesday night. And then I watched the commentary on Wednesday night. And then I think the other night I watched the, the subtitled version or whatever. So I could mm. sort of get, get the flavor of, of all of them. And then, like I said, it took me like you know, months to read the manga beforehand. But I mean, I, I thought that was super enjoyable. I mean, I enjoyed reading it. I think I like Nausicaa. I kind of like Asbel a lot. And I know I haven't talked about him too much, but I, I think for me, like, you know, because, because I'm a man, I'm like, I'm like that, that, that's the character that I, I keyed in on the most because I was kind of like, oh yeah, I, I, I understand his anger. Like I, I, I get how, where he starts and where he ends, you know, like, and so I, I kind of understand that to a degree more so than I think I would like, you know, some of the other characters in the piece, because I think like, like I said, I think a lot of the other characters are more Game of Thrones, like nasty type characters, like these different religious or, you know, whatever, where there's the religious people or the the soldiers or the different empires and stuff like that or even even the elders like the the older folks that you know it's more about politics and 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 that kind of thing and so i i think that was the character that i i sort of keyed in on the most but i guess to answer your question like i i did enjoy watching the film version you know i was like yay color because that's that's one of the things that i like the most about like if i ever get a manga that is colorized i'm like you know in heaven or whatever but you know this is this is also a, a cool thing and i i guess what stella was talking about earlier the fact that he had to sort of write and and you know draw the manga first before they would let him make it a film is kind of interesting as well you know and the fact that it, the, the the manga itself i think because it's weird like some of the things i read and heard when i was going through all this was it sounded like he almost made the manga to be quote-unquote unfilmable on purpose but then they asked him to turn it into a film anyway you know so it's it's, mm. it's interesting that that you know and, and and he kind of you know made it work clearly because i i mean i i think it's a good film i think it has a lot of good allegories and parables and things like that even though i sort of pointed out the question like i kind of enjoy seeing the the dichotomy of the you know it, it's it's not quite as in your face as avatar is but it's there you know the the technology versus the environment aspect of it and, and, and that notion as well. It's interesting seeing those aspects, you know, shared on screen and how they, they all work together and everything. So 
So yeah, I mean, I, I, I totally enjoyed it. I have one final question for Stella. I don't know if you have anything else, Justin, if you have any other questions or things you want to go into, but I'll, I'll sort of turn it over to you for a second, just in case that is the case. I think I'm good. Okay. I have a question before I'm asked a question. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> in the manga, is there shipping between Asbel and Nausicaa? So it's funny that you asked that because my final question to you was, <laughs> do you ship Do you ship Nausicaa and Asbel? So I'm, I'm guessing the answer to that uh, is yes. Um, You know, not as hard as I do certain couples. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and it's only, it's like such the beginning, but I think there's so, there's such potential there. And I think it would be a way to unify kingdoms as well with like future nuptials. Mm. But, you know, I compared to like Howell and um, what's her name? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I, I, I've forgotten her name. I know who you're and, talking about, though. Yeah, yeah. And the castle in the sky, like those two characters, I think not as I don't get romantic feelings from them yet, just because there's there are more important things for Nausicaa to deal with than romantic feelings. But I feel like it seems, you know, if this movie were to have a sequel, which it's not going to, or, you know, whatever the, the manga was doing, I feel like they would gravitate toward each other and probably be good, really good friends. And then maybe something would spark between them. And like I said, p- potentially a political alliance, I think, and, and joining the kingdoms would really work out. That makes me think of a question I did have. Like, Derek, <laughs> did, did do they ever say how old Nausicaa is? Because I was kind of wondering that, like, when I was watching the movie. Because I, I was thinking maybe she's like... I, 18 or 19 yeah, but I, you it, know it feels like at different times they play her older than i thought she was like in not in a bad way or anything mm-hmm. but, but kind of like what you're saying like that maybe she was like in, in some sense i felt like in some scenes in the film it felt like she was 19 or 20 i, I kind of feel like they they said she was like like 17 or so. i don't know mm-hmm. like I, okay. maybe, I i might i might be pulling all this out of my ass because i was like <laughs> i i read this so long ago i don't you know i i obviously i didn't i i had no crystal ball i didn't know what you were going to ask me but like the and 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 for stella's question like I feel like they they were going down that road just like they were kind of hinting at it in in the film but like I I think the moment that like that is parallel I, and I could be wrong about this but you know that moment where they're in the the sea of decay and and they're she's about to go to sleep and he puts the the his coat on her and everything mm-hmm. like for like you know yeah. oh to keep her warm like have a good night and all that kind of stuff I'm I'm pretty sure like that something like that you know takes place in the manga or there are other moments like that you know how i said they get captured and escape and captured and escape like there's there's repeated moments of that but then because of the whole like great warrior thing like that that kind of takes a a a dovetail or a side you know what i mean like it's like it's hard to like have a relationship when you're getting irradiated by a giant warrior and walking in the like complete opposite direction of you know Pajit or whatever. It's one of those things like where where it reminded me and and I know I haven't brought this connection up at all, but it reminded me of like like the queen of England, like royal families like having that that sense of duty like she would like to maybe have a relationship with him, but it's like I think it, it was like one of those things where if you're looking at the priority and the pedestal, you know, that that 
that duty to her people and then to like i don't know even more esoteric things the the world the environment like all those things you know unfortunately took priority over her personal happiness if that i i, I hope that kind of answers the question but that's kind of how you i said saw duty it. i did i did say <laughs> duty i absolutely oh said goodness. duty oh boy you know i can't help but thinking every when i was going in there and often just like thinking about her or or this film when I'm not watching it, like the parallels with the Odyssey. And I, I just mm. wonder if Miyazaki was, I feel like he seems like a very cultured and yeah. intelligent man, but I just wonder like how far could you go to compare her to the Nausicaa that finds Odysseus naked on the beach of the Phaeacians and, you know, her father being the ruler and, and helping Odysseus go off. And then Nausicaa marries Odysseus' son Telemachus. So I just, yeah, I wonder if how much there's a parallel there or how much Miyazaki may have modeled, whether intentionally or unintentionally. Do you, do either of you think of that? Have you thought about that at all? Do you think it's just a name only? She's called, Na- called Nausicaa and that's about it. No, I, well, I don't know. It's, it's weird with Japan because sometimes I feel like there, uh, my, my answer to it is twofold. I think to me, I think like, you know, it's like if, if a duck is a duck and quacks like a duck, then it is a <laughs> duck type thing. Like it's like her, her name's Nausicaa. They, you know, in all these descriptions, it's like frequently mentioned, oh, this is an influence on, you know, the choice of the character name, obviously like duh, but then also you, you could say, oh, uh, you know, that, th- that it would have influence on the actuality of the the narrative and the story and everything like that. But then there, there's also that part of me that like, and, and this is only applicable to things that like, I can't stand like Evangelion where it's like, Oh, you know, or, or I guess things like where, you know, it's like, you know how like everything is named God and it doesn't really mean God the way it does to say a, in a Judeo Christian sense, like where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, you know, a transformer is named super God Jinrai. Like they don't, they don't mean to evoke like, the religious aspect of it they just think that sounds cool like and and i feel like that like a lot of the things in evangelion that i can't stand is people try to discern all this like i don't know religious symbolism from it and i'm like you guys are thinking too hard they just thought this cross looked bitchin like that's that's kind of, like there that that's why my answer is twofold but i mean i i i, I kind of would think it is influenced by that work but then again for all i know it you know it could very well dwindle down to oh well you know the name sounded cool i like the the way the name sounded mm. you know so I, I i don't know but i mean i i think i would give miyazaki more credit than evangelion and would lean towards like yes he he knows what he is homaging to a degree but i think if it was other creators like other works i might i might be suspect and just think that that they don't know what they're you know they, they just think oh this sounds cool you know whenever i see this film i always think that the little ohm that she hides during the flashback will appear again in the in the racing towards her scene with the red eyes and like it'll mm. make a connection and and they'll because you have that duh, Da, 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 yeah, da. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, is that coming into this? What's happening with that? Yeah, you want to talk about that? That's that's <laughs> worth that's worth talking about. Like the music, like that's yeah, something I... that's that's not in the manga. Where I was like, I I I think like when I first was listening to this, I thought I was like listening to the the 
the organist and like the doors like because they have that kind of like cool like trippy <laughs> organ music in the beginning and then and then yeah i i have to admit i've been like da 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 mm -hmm. my, to myself like this entire yeah. week like you know so yeah absolutely like that the music i think is something that that you you would not have the impact of reading the manga because i i had no reference for the music until i I was watching the film and everything, and that that definitely played a huge role into to sort of how I viewed it. And it's 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 kind of I, I it's weird. Like all I can think of now is like you know stupid stuff like people you know getting into this this ASMR thing. Like and oh, I feel gosh. I feel almost like that that tune like like it's like i could see somebody like here's a five-hour loop of requiem or whatever and they just sit there and like chill out to like you know da, 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 for like the next five hours or whatever but I don't, I don't know i really like that little lullaby like i was watching the film and i kind of like i was like oh that's really nice i had forgot about that and then like i finished the movie and then i went out to like go walk because i tried and walk four or five miles every day and then I was kind of walking up this hill and I looked back and there was like all these kind of like rolling green hills where I live and that, that little lullaby got into my head and I was like <laughs> I, I feel like I'm in the valley of the wind and oh, that little lullaby was playing and it was like that tech, techno song too kind of like, like the eight is like I think it's when Yupa's in trouble and she's racing to find him, maybe. Oh, uh, okay. But it's, yeah, kind of an interesting beat. The people in front of me were bopping their heads back and forth, <laughs> which was interesting. But, yeah, I think with a lot of the Ghibli films, there's, like, one track that, that sort of stays with you. I can, you know, I can think of Howl's Moving Castle and Spirited Away and things. So I, I feel like it always works well and I think that particular lullaby works well with the flashback underneath and then just this the ohm can you kind of have to dig I think to find meaning with the ohms wrapping her up in their uh, little tentacle thingies their ph phalanges not the phalanges the ph 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 phalgeli <laughs> it's been so long since I've had science but uh, <laughs> you know and then <laughs> isn't it like you're talking to the person who can't pronounce <laughs> pheromones when we're talking about oh, spider woman gosh. so i'm gonna be oh, a no pheromones. no see how'd you pronounce that will understand what you're saying yes um but yeah i think it worked out maybe because using that underneath that time shows how she's had a connection to the ohms from the very beginning mm. but yeah i just always wanted that baby ohm to come back and then they would have some sort of mental connection and she would be like oh you're the ohm i saved you know way back when but i guess they probably just killed that ohm which is sad to think about the one I mean, when they take it out of the unless, tree yeah unless he somehow wiggled his way out and <sighs> became part of the yeah. rampaging red-eyed herd <laughs> it, yeah it, it sounds like Stella needs a little baby own plushie or something. <laughs> <gasps> Sir, does such a thing exist? I, uh, I don't know. Oh, probably. Well, probably. <laughs> we could look it up. We'll find out. Yeah, well, I currently have a plush avocado. So if that exists, then I think an ohm absolutely exists. Yes. A plush avocado and the seed is its little is that, face and it's smiling back at me that, that's as I what talk you're... to you. That's what your student gave you? Is that, that what is that correct. was? That is correct. Yes, he okay. said my mom. Yeah, I teach eighth graders. And he said, my mom told me I have to get a present for all my eighth grade teachers. I was like, oh. And so he asked me what I wanted. And that's the first time everyone, anyone's ever asked me. I said, oh, at the downtown mall. 
there's a plush avocado. And so he looks it up online and he starts laughing at me. And he said, okay, I live a couple minutes from there. And then lo and behold, I got it. It's the one gift I didn't know I needed. And it brings joy to me. So if that exists, the plush avocado exists for goodness sake, then probably an ohm should exist. Awesome. I, I I feel like almost every convention I go to, there's always at least one dealer who has like a Teto or a Totro uh, plushie. So yeah. So uh, Gigi's a hot item. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yep. Well, there was that the the cosplay thing I sent you after you said you had the the bad ohm dreams too that I thought was pretty oh cool. my gosh because like yeah. the, the eyes were all blue and then they turned red Woo! and stuff that was cool. yeah. <laughs> do do we want to talk about it all the politics between the different countries? Or did we really already talk about that, just with their different natures and everything? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I don't know. Did you did you have anything else on that? Or <laughs> I don't know. I just want. Do you think this world? As I guess, as like a, a closing question. I don't want to run your show for you. No, I'm no. so sorry. No. Um, I mean, do you think this world will ever get better than it currently is? Because it seems like they're losing kingdoms more so than growing them. Do you think there's any hope for this particular world? I, I feel like because I read the other 700 pages, I, I kind of know the answer to that. And like, oh, okay. And, and so then, ex- yeah. Well, and then the other thing too is like, see, this is part of my, I, I, I'm like, I'm trying to figure out how, how to say it, but I, I feel like the the manga and and this film speak to my worldview, even though it may speak to other people's worldviews and our worldviews would collide, if that makes mm. any sense. Because, I mean, <laughs> I, I think I think that what I get out of it, right, it's art, right? Like, like you know, Miyazaki could say, oh, this Derek man, he, he full of crap, you know, like, or whatever, right? He doesn't know what he's talking about, right? <laughs> okay. like, but, but to me, I was just kind of like, the, the way I sort of took it all was, okay, one, when people say the world, I kind of think they mean like their world, like, mm. you know, like, cause it's like, okay, sure. yeah, the world will end. Well, what world are you talking about? Are you talking about like the planet and like Charlton Heston, like setting off oh. the bomb and then the world <laughs> explodes? Cause if you're talking about that, I'm behind you. I don't want that to happen. Right. But if what you're talking about is like, you know, the world of these people, like, I mean, they kind of set up that like as much as they work towards a better future for future generations, like, I mean, because of the, the toxicity of, and and the fact that they, it's like the ecosystem so messed up that human beings actually need the, the toxic environment just to function, even though they didn't realize they needed it. Like to me, like that just means like, okay, well, you know, essentially, you can make do with the world that you have right now. But I mean, the the better part is going to be for somebody, you know, I don't know, a thousand years from now when when they get it all worked out, you know, like type thing. So I mean, for the immediacy of the question, I mean, I, I kind of feel like, you know, what what Nausicaa is doing will have ramifications and reverberations like millennia from now. But it's not going to be like this thing where, you know, all the Pokemon cry on Ash and he comes back to life like <laughs> right then and there. It's like oh, if, if, if Ash is the world, like it's going to take thousands of years of crying and like a lot of time. And eventually then, yeah, maybe he'll be resurrected and it won't be the same Ash that you remembered because, you know, he won't have the red cap anymore. And, you know, 
it'll be just a little different, you know, like type thing. But I don't know. I, I that's probably too uh, too heady and and deep type thing. But that's that was kind of my my personal takeaway from it, I guess. I don't know. Did you? Did, I mean, since you you kind of asked that question, like like did you did you have a notion of that from just the film aspect of it, like like what you saw yeah. happening? So, well, I guess at the very beginning, Yupa, you know, another civilization had been taken over by the jungle. So there was another one, Bites the Dust, and then Asbel's his particular town was destroyed by. The, the, the warrior. Or I guess I should say kingdom. Yeah. So it seems like they're losing more than they're gaining. But I think the key and the one hope that they have is that Nausicaa understands how the forest is working in unity with, I guess, the people and the toxins and everything. And potentially, you know, if everyone could unify, I think they could live in that little underground space and just, I guess, go up and forage for food when necessary. So I think there's hope in that. But just because of the different ideologies, they really have to work together that, to have the, the kingdoms come together. But, you know, you, when you were talking about the toxicity, I, I quickly reminded myself that I feel like Nausicaa should actually be dead because mm. of the times that she took off her mask. And well, I also yeah. wondered how she was protecting her little fox squirrel when she like shoved him in her, I mean, it's not like the toxins are going to be dispelled by the cloth there. Right, I thought, right. oh, that animal's not going to make it. But it does. So that works out. But just some unbelievable facts. But yeah, I think there is hope there. Just the fact that she's been doing all the science secretly. And then they find that underground cavern, I think, that potentially they could work together and, and live underground. You, you make it sound super cool. You know, secret science. <laughs> Secret sign. My name is Stella, and I am the host of Backroll to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Backroll to Oracle is a podcast dedicated to Barbara Gordon, the first woman to hold the mantle of Backroll for an extended period of time, roughly 1967 to 1988. The goal of Backroll to Oracle is to examine the character's history from her first appearance as Backroll and continuing through her tenure as Oracle. Each episode looks at a vintage issue of Detective Comics or Batman, as well as other books like Justice League and Freedom Fighters and modern issues of Batgirl and Birds of Prey. I also keep track of news involving Batgirl and other members of the Bat family, and I have a revolving series of segments like Babs in the Tube, which highlights appearances of Babs in TV and film, Shipper Spotlight, which looks at a variety of comic and pop culture couples, gives their history, and determines whether they are hot or not, Reading with Stella, which could be described as an audio drama, or just me reading a book that relates to Babs or doesn't, and of course, the mainstay literature recommendation. I have been blessed to interview writers Scott Beatty and Chuck Dixon on their Backroll Year One work, Brian Q. Miller on his Backroll run, Dwayne Swarzynski and Christy Marks on their separate Birds of Prey work, and the creators and actors of the Backroll Spoiled, the web series. I hope to interview more creators and actors in the future. My goal, most importantly, is to make a fun, entertaining, and thoughtful show that people enjoy and from which they learn. Find the show online at thebatmanuniverse.net and iTunes, and follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Batgirl to Oracle. Thank you, and fly on, Babs lovers. All right. Well, I think, yeah, I, I think that's a good place. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap up and, and end this here. But before we go out, 
Stella, do us the honors. Like, where can people find you out there on the interwebs? Should they should they choose to look you up and and find you? That would be so kind of you to come and find me. If you are interested in learning more about Barbara Gordon, then you should check out my HGMO free podcast, Human Growth Hormone. <laughs> That's what HGH, HGH free, maybe I should say human growth hormone or mutant growth. Uh, anyway, sorry. It's at the Batman universe.net and don't let the, you know, we were joking about lengthy episodes that might've been, or episode that might've been before we started recording. But if you're overwhelmed, cause I am, I just put out 175. Don't be, you can pop around and see whatever era of Barbara Gordon you want. Or if you're a Steph fan, I started that in the beginning and we'll be yeah. coming up at to cast soon, very soon, actually. And then over at the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, I do a podcast that looks at literature. My friend Tom Penrice and I pick a book and we discuss it and, and decide whether it's worthy of its reputation. That's called Required Reading with Tom and Stella. And actually, the next pick we have... We just recorded for Vanity Fair, which I did that to, to poor Tom. But the next pick he got to choose, we're going to do God Will Man Kills. Oh. So it's not always just like actual literature, literature, but we've got, we've done Fun Home. We've done March by John Lewis. So we do have graphic novels as well because we consider those literature. So that, those are my two podcasts. You can find me there. I like when you, when you do plays. Like that's, that's, been oh, my, that's been my favorite. Yes. It's been a while. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out a, another play to go back to. So don't worry. It'll be there. Woo. All right. Well, and then as for us, if you have any comments, questions, and or concerns, if you want to do some secret science with us, <laughs> you can email us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. You can find the backlog of our episodes. We've got all the episodes of Big in Japan over on fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. We are on all kinds of social media, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We appreciate all the likes, hearts, retweets, etc. And we can be found on iTunes. We can be streamed on Stitcher Radio. And hey, Justin, you don't know this, but we can now be streamed on Google Play and Spotify. I just set those up the other day. So we can Ooh. be streamed all over the place now. Surprise! Um, yeah, surprise! Um, so yeah, so yeah, we can be streamed on all those places. And uh, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for, for coming on, Stella. I know, like, I, I've been talking about this for, for a long time, and we've been slowly getting to it. But I'm, I'm glad we got here, and this has been um, um, a lot of fun. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Basically, I just said any film, any Ghibli film, but Graveyard of the Fireflies, I'm game. And so you picked a good one with Nausicaa. Yeah. So thank you very much. And and again, I'm uh, we're we're simpatico as far as that goes. I'm I'm 100 <laughs> like 10 percent behind. I was like when you said that, oh, I said gosh. I am 110 percent behind you with that. I I have no desire to revisit that film ever. It's yeah. not that it's a yeah. bad film, but yeah. No, so. it's well done like all Ghibli's, but it uh yeah, I, I can't take that again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I kind of plan to go in order, so next we'll probably do Castle in the Sky, but oh, but yeah, okay. I, I agree with you guys. I, I, I really like Graves of Fireflies, but I yeah. just don't have it in me emotionally to watch that movie. I, oh man. Whew. Cool. All right. Well <laughs> then until the next time, uh this is gonna be Derek, Derek W C signing off. This is Justin signing off. And this is Stella signing off. Yay!
oh, this, this is the other thing I need to ask you. I, I have an icebreaker question. If you don't want to do the icebreaker question, we can skip it. Um, but I I thought it would be funny. But but I'll let you decide. So I was for the icebreaker. I was going to ask you a um, a kiss Mary kill for for anime characters. I would be glad to do that. Okay. I always enjoy me a good kiss Mary kill. All Hopefully, right. I know the anime characters because it'll be embarrassing if Ooh. you. I'm all. Who are you talking to? I I I've, I've planned this. I've I've methodically okay, thought okay. this out. Like you. Because should... I know the one anime I've not watched. I feel like is really bad. Is the Boku no Hero Academia? And everyone's like, you really need to watch it. And I just haven't gotten to I it. I think I've watched like eight episodes of it, and then I lost track of it. Like you watch more anime than I do, because half the time when you talk about the recommendations, I haven't seen any of it. But I bet you Justin has seen like more of it I... than I have. No, people keep telling me to watch it too, and I just haven't okay. got around to it. So don't it's feel too bad. It's the episode number that gets me. So when it's in the 80s, it overwhelms yeah. me. And I like those series that are like 12 episodes because yeah. I can do it, and it's not a huge time commitment. So those are the ones that I often go for Dude, quickly. Tell like th- tell her when I was like flipping out because you started watching One Piece, and I was like, oh my god, Justin, what are you doing? <laughs> Uh, I've, I've, I'm slowly chipping away at it. I'm somewhere in episode 300 right now. There's oh just my like, heaven! Yeah, th- this was like, oh my god, I can't. <laughs> like what? Like yeah. I'm all, like only uh four more, 400 more episodes to go, guys. 